That was like nothing. I didn't get any. Give us nothing, Queen. It sounds just like muffled. Oh my god. Wait, that's not cool. Um, I have a paper bag. I blame I blame this being from the library as being the problem. Hello. People have just people have just killed the the wish. Why does it have to be the book that we're recording? Like, how will they know if it's not? They won't know, but it's way cooler that we have that, like, little inside knowledge. And people are like, what's a fun fact people don't know about the show? And we'll be like, well, we use the actual books each episode for the sound bites. You could just have one file that you consistently reference. No, this is the way cooler. Okay, fair enough. But- Make it harder for yourself next <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Young Adult Adult Reviews, where two youngish adults review books meant for much younger adults. Or children. I'm Chloe. And I'm Honor, and this week we are discussing the Ascendance Trilogy by Jennifer Nielsen, comprised of the books The False Prince, The Runaway King, and Shadow Throne. And if you haven't read them yet, here's the spoiler warning. All right, I don't think we have any content warnings for this episode because it is a children's book and we are just going to get right into it. In the first book, we meet our main character, Sage. Sage is a 15-year-old orphan that is in the middle of stealing a roast when he is rudely purchased for indentured servitude from his orphanage by a man named Bevan Connor, who is a regent to the king. Traveling with Connor back to his estate called Farthernwood, Sage meets other boys that Connor has scooped up. Bias, a book smart boy, and Rodin, a strong boy. They all kind of look like him. Sage thinks that something is up. Accompanying Connor are his servants Mott and Cregan. Cregan seems pretty cruel, whereas Mott is kind of nice. Connor explains that the royal family of their country, Carthia, has been killed. King Eckbert, Queen Arryn, and Prince Darius dead. Four years prior, the second crown prince of Carthia, Jaren, was killed during a pirate attack at sea. However, his body was never found. Connor intends to train these boys to be a prince in two weeks and have them take the throne under the identity of Jaren to be Connor's puppet king. The remaining boys not chosen by Connor will be killed to silence this treasonous plan. Sage doesn't care one way or another. He sleeps through all his lessons and sneaks around Farthenwood at night. Rodin and Tobias berate him for not trying hard enough. Sage meets a servant girl named Imogen that works for Connor. Connor intended to court her, but she is mute, so he abandoned the idea pretty fast. Sage, however, isn't so dissuaded. Sage tries to get his clothes back that he came in, but he discovers that a piece of pyrite that was in his pocket is gone. Sage insists that this pyrite was gold and demands for it back. Connor refuses simply because he wants to break down Sage. The pyrite mysteriously disappears from Connor's desk, and he, of course, blames Sage and sends him to the dungeons. Mott and Cregan beat Sage a little bit, but he doesn't break or reveal the location of the pyrite. Imogen comes down and speaks to him. Turns out she can speak and she was faking it because Connor is a gross old man and says that everyone is rooting for him to win Connor's contest. Sage swears to Connor that he will be his prince and promises that none of the other boys will be able to convince the regents like he can. Connor lets him return to his studies. Connor has arranged a meeting with Princess Amarinda, the girl who is betrothed to the throne. Since Darius is dead, whoever is chosen to be the prince will have to marry her instead. Sage meets her, and Amarinda expresses her worries about the rumors surrounding the royal family's death. She truly loved Darius. Connor then chooses his prince. He has chosen Rodin. The next morning, Sage sees Rodin off and rolls a coin across his knuckles. Connor, in shock, elects him to be the new prince. Prince Jaren had a known talent for rolling a coin across his knuckles that none of the other boys can do. 
It's here that we learn more about Prince Jaren's death. It turns out that he slipped out through a porthole on the ship before it even left the harbor. He caught wind of the pirate attack on his ship and laid low. Jaren assumes the persona of an orphan named Sage, and for the next four years, he lives completely and truly alone. Jaren wanted to return home, but King Eckbert visited him after catching wind of his location and told him to remain on the streets. He said that he would know when the time came to fulfill his royal duty, but until then, he needs to remain on the streets as an orphan. Sage slash Jaren takes Rodin, Tobias, and Imogen with him to the castle. The night before the appointment, Connor tells him that he was the one who hired the pirates to attack his ship. He doesn't know that he's talking to the real crown prince of Carthia, though. Jaren will have his revenge soon, but for now he has to get crowned. He and the crew sneak into the castle, but Rodin tries to double-cross him. Jaren dispatches him and continues on to the ceremony. He presents his piece of pyrite to the king's advisor and claims it is gold. It turns out that was the instructions he was given if he were ever to return home to prove his authenticity. Jaren assumes his place as king, arrests Connor, and lives peacefully for a month or so. In book two, Jaren skips out on his family's funeral and Rodin comes back, he's a pirate now, to try and assassinate him. Bestie things. Knowing that everyone he loves is in danger, Jaren is mean to Imogen and sends her away. Bestie things. Jaren knows that war is impending with Avenia, and between the king and the Avenian pirates, his country will not stand a chance. So he decides to remove one of the threats. Sending Tobias and Amarinda to the castle to cover up his absence, Jaren sets out into the countryside of Sage once more, meeting a noble named Rulon Harlow. He's very nice. Too bad that Jaren robs him later in order to prove his loyalty to the thieves that are his way in for the pirates. Having proved his loyalty, Jaren befriends Eric, the leader of the thieves, and Fink, a lovably annoying child that Jaren can't help but look at as a little brother. Aww. Jaren proceeds on to the pirates. Rodin is still out to sea, but in the meantime, Jaren can still challenge the current king to become the new king. One problem. Imogen has fled to the pirates after Jaren sent her away. She's going to get caught in the fray. Jaren is about to sacrifice himself for Imogen's place in the stocks when Rodin returns from sea. Furious, Rodin challenges the standing pirate king and kills him. He's the boss now, and he breaks Jaren's leg to keep him immobile. Jaren climbs his way up the cliffside with a broken leg to challenge Rodin and assures him that they are not enemies. Jaren asks for peace, and for the first time, Rodin realizes that he has never been the orphan sage. He has been the true prince this entire time. Rodin yields and gives Jaren the title of Pirate King. He accepts the position as the captain of Jaren's guard. Everyone returns home to the castle. As soon as Jaren's leg heals, though, it's wartime. Countries from all sides are invading Carthia's borders, and Avenia has taken Imogen. In book three, in order to help stop the war, Jaren runs around the country pulling pranks on the other sides in order to give his country the full advantage. First, he packs a cannon full of gunpowder while people aren't looking. When they load it up to test it, it explodes. He steals some gunpowder as he goes to Avenia to save Imogen. Jaren absolutely decimates this fucking camp with gunpowder. Pranked! He goes to free Imogen, tells her to run, but she attacks the person trying to kill him with her bare hands, giving him enough time to get away. Imogen gets shot with an arrow and she falls and is hauled away in a cart for the dead. Looks like Jaren got pranked on that one. Jaren gets taken prisoner and since Imogen is dead, he doesn't have the will to go on. Eventually, he saps some energy together and makes his escape. Menden Wall is advancing on Carthia, so he heads there. He lights a river on fire as their enemy crosses through, leading his people to an excellent victory. Then he goes to a lake and blows up a dam he has built, destroying Mendenwall's numbers. Mendenwall is pretty much out of the game at this point. However, Avenia is still very much in it. They capture Jaren and take him to Farthingwood for execution. The Avenian king tells Jaren that Connor will assume the role as Carthia's king, 
and throws him into the dungeons for his execution the next day. Oh shit, Imogen is alive and she's in the dungeons. She didn't really die, which is pretty cool of her. Rodan is also waiting in the dungeons, which is less sexy. However, Jaren does realize that Harlow from book two is Rodan's father. Now he has something to live for, even if he doesn't realize it yet. The next morning, Jaren is unbothered as he gets let off to his execution. At the gallows, Connor tells him that he is a patriot to the last and slips him a knife. Jaren makes his daring escape, and the pirates have been hiding in the walls of Farthenwood to help him out. The Avenian king kills Connor for helping save, so I guess he gets his martyred arc. Anyway, Jaren has won the war in the final hour. Yay! Jaren calls off the betrothal with Amarinda. It's clear that she and Tobias are in love. They get together and so do Jaren and Imogen. The kingdom is at peace. Jaren has found a new family and his allies. And they all lived happily ever after. Aww. Aww, the end. <laughs> Honor, what did you think of this book? I enjoyed the story overall. I felt like... It should not have been marketed as a children's book, not because of the way it was written, but just like the story overall would have been a lot better as a young adult book and not a children's book because there could have been a lot more details to it to just really enhance the story. Hmm. I thought there were times that it was just a little bit dull and I couldn't really get into it. And I think that was mostly due to the fact that it was geared more towards children and it shouldn't have been. But overall, really good story. I did enjoy. Yeah. What did you think of it? Well, okay, so here's a little backstory on me in this series. It was the seventh grade. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and the Scholastic Book Fair was at my school. And coincidentally, at the same time, we had to do a book report in my seventh grade class, specifically on the fantasy genre. Oh. Also, something that came together at just the right time was my crush at the time, Joaquin. <laughs> was like Chloe you like to read right and I like thought that was like the hottest thing at the time I was like yeah I like to read and he was like you should read this book he's like I don't really like to read but I feel like you'd like it if you like to read and I was like okay because he didn't like to read and he liked it and that book was The False Prince and so I picked it up for my book report there's like a few threads to this story I picked it up for my book report read it Got back to him about it and I was like, that was fucking phenomenal. The twist blew my mind when I was in seventh grade, by the way. That sage was Jaren the whole time. I did not see that coming when I was like 12. But then I like went to do my book report on it and I got marked down because my teacher said it wasn't fantasy enough. It's a fucking low fantasy. It's low fantasy. It's not high fantasy. Jesus Christ. I would call her by her first name right now if I remembered it. I was mad about that when I cried. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, it's fantasy. It doesn't take place in this world. And she was like, yeah, but it's not fantasy enough. And I was like, it is low fantasy. Anyway, I ain't gonna say anything else about that. I was just mad about that one. I got like a B on that book report because it wasn't fantasy enough. If it doesn't take place in this fucking world, it's fantasy. She should have specified that in her requirements. That's what I'm saying. Literally, if you wanted high fantasy, say high fantasy. Also, y'all didn't see it, but she was totally twirling her hair while she was talking about her crush. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to out you. If you're watching. <laughs> I have to agree, though, because I very much found myself wanting more as I read this series. And I don't know if she like tried to pursue it as like a young adult book initially and then 
it like got downgraded to children or if it was like always a children's book because it is published with Scholastic and of course Scholastic is the children's book company but I don't know I just saw the bones for this really wonderful world building and the characters are so endearing and lovable I love Sage I love Jaren from the bottom of my heart I found myself laughing along I found myself smiling with all his snide and sarcastic remarks because he's a funny fucking character it's my favorite part that was what got me through reading this book because he would make the side comment and I was like yes sir keep it literally up. he's like they weren't impressed but I thought it was pretty good <laughs> he made that comment like 30 times and it never got old but I just saw the structure for what could have been this really in-depth and detailed world and already the plot of the story is pretty political because it's like war and it's not high fantasy so what else are you going to focus on besides the politics and I just feel like it didn't reach its full potential because it was a children's book and it suffered for it. I feel like it could have been more if they were willing to add more details for an older audience, not to mention the potential romance scenes that could have happened. Oh my god. And the other thing is he is 15 in these books which is young adult age so they very easily could have marketed it as a young adult book. Mm-hmm. Which also, that's a whole separate thing for me. Like, why call it young adult if they're teenagers? Confusing. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like, oh, it's an adult thing to do to read. You should read. I don't know what's going on in marketing heads. Yeah, that's just a whole side tangent. <laughs> um, but no, because they're the right age to be marketed as a YA book but I think Mm -hmm. you're right because they published through Scholastic it got put down yeah I just wish there was more I guess because like I said the characters are so fucking lovable and if Jaren could curse it would be over for everyone that's a game changer right there well and he does curse technically but you don't get to read it and I would love to be able to read that just on occasion even if it's not the full time they could say oh he cursed here let a string of curses and I'd be okay with that as long as another point he got to say fuck you know right no because it's like I let off a string of curse words and then Fink who is the little brother character is like I learned some new words today which is so funny it's like what are the words I want to know how creative he he is in his cursing he think was literally like oh that's even worse than what the pirates say (laughs) I just want to hear it I just think he's such a lovable character I feel like it could also just make like a really good tv show too I don't know I was just about to bring that up I was like if they made this into a tv show I would be watching it so much like I would binge watch that Right. I can see the design choices that they might make. And already it's very well researched in terms of the historical vibe that they were going for, because that's what you go for more often than not in a low fantasy novel, just like a vibe. But and another, more. another thing is if they made it into a TV show, it wouldn't be too hard to do because you only need what, two, three sets. You need the orphanage, the Farthenwood house and then the palace. for like At least for the first book. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be really easy to get up and running and get an audience for. I say we go find somebody and pitch us. Ah, Izzy? Oh my God. <laughs> if you're listening. Izzy, if you're listening, like you said you would. Damn. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Uh, it's always for me. Can't yeah. trust somebody else. <laughs> Honor, there's no one else here. <laughs> That's the joke. Anyway. Anyway, besides Jaren, who was your favorite character? Good question. I think it kind of changed per book who my favorite extra character was. Mm-hmm. So for the first book, I would say Mott. Okay. Just because he was constantly like, look, you're not behaving. Behave. 
like he was a father figure kind of thing and then at the same time he'd be like actually you can't don't don't do that you don't want to behave <laughs> Jaren, like, for it <laughs> Jaren found out his dad was dead and then just started scooping up father figures like fucking pokemon he got one every freaking book <laughs> yeah because in the first book he got mott in the second one he got harlow and he was like harlow gave me a father's embrace and i'm like ooh, <laughs> honey and then in the i would have said book, it was I would have said it was Eric and then Harlow, but yeah. Well, Harlow, technically he met Harlow first. True. I might even argue that Connor was a fucked up father figure to Jaren. Definitely fucked up. I'm going to answer this question and then I'm going to go off on another little tangent. My favorite character, I did like the women in this because it is written by a woman. So I don't think they're like particularly poorly written. But I do feel like there could have been more to them. I loved Amarinda and I loved her character arc because she's like, this is my duty and I'm doing it because I have to. And I will essentially do what you say, even if I don't like it. I like that because it's a choice to let societal mores dictate her, I guess. She's like, I understand that this is the way it is and I'm letting it happen. And that's how she kind of claims agency. Because I think that's very interesting for her. And I wish we could have explored that more. Because she's kind of a badass when she gets the chance to be. And then I love Imogen too. Imogen, it's just like a cool character. I think it's very cool how she rebels against the system. And Jaren kind of like loves that about her. It's very cute. I want them to do anarchy together. They would. Well, Sage would. And she'd be like, maybe don't go that far, but all right. (laughs) She'd be like, reel it back in a little bit, but have fun. (laughs) But those are my favorite characters besides Jaren of course Jaren has to like take the cake no matter what he's mm-hmm. just too funny he's just a goofy so my, little boy with imposter syndrome my other two favorite characters I would say it was Tobias for book two okay that switched to Fink but Fink was also very annoying so and a little bit on and well you're also very you, annoying but you're like my best friends yeah and you're a lot <laughs> less annoying and you're my friend that says something <laughs> Anyway. I don't like annoying people. I don't want to be around me. <laughs> I'm going to cut that whole segment. <laughs> no, don't cut it. It's funny. And then for the third book, it was definitely Rodin. I think he he really met the expectations that I had for him mm-hmm. and then far exceeded them, especially when it came to his interactions with Jaren. Also, I love how they literally were ready to kill each other. And then Rodin was like, oh, you want to be friends? Okay, no problem. No, literally, I think that in terms of personal relationships, Jaren <laughs> and Rodin's is definitely my favorite. Because they are so fucking funny. They'll be like at each other's throats one second and then be like, hey man, bring it in. Right? The like, entire series. Mm-hmm. And the fight that they had at the beginning of book three. First of all, it was staged, of course, to like make people think there was infighting, but really they were like kind of strong together. They were just, just like playing. ripping into each other and Rodin's like, you and your fucking leg and Sage is like maybe you shouldn't have fucking broken it I loved every time Rodin crossed the line and all the people in the background were like (gasps) they were like oh my god he's gonna call for his execution and then the scene where Rodin broke Sage's leg Sage was like yeah you can try and keep me here and he was like taunting him about and Rodin was like you're right you're right you're gonna like escape if I give you the chance and he picks up a club and Sage is like wait Wait, I take it back. <laughs> and then Rodin just like clubs it. And so he just he's like, I fucked up. <laughs> he didn't think that he'd do it and he did. And I think that's so funny. 
and they have a lot of, I don't know, interesting tension because they don't see eye to eye in a lot of things, but they are still very good friends nonetheless. And I really like friendships that they don't agree on everything, but they still like love each other and they find that sense of kinship in each other, you know? Oh, it's us. Oh, it's <laughs> us. Is that why I like it so much? Because <laughs> I give you shit and you give me shit and then we're like oh cute besties <laughs> we're like oh bring it in us literally arguing today about everything oh my god anyway who's breaking whose leg <laughs> i who's feel jaren? like i feel like i'd be jaren in this situation because i'm the more annoying of the two of us fair enough all right bestie next time i see you i'm breaking out the club <laughs> <laughs> you have to catch me first okay back on my tangent I did not like that they tried to give Connor the fucking redemption arc in the 11th fucking hour. No, I didn't either. Also, I have questions about that. Like, how did they get him out of the tower they had locked him in? The prison? I think they had people on the inside. But they didn't say that, you know? They said he was the person on the inside, pretty much. And then they kind of hinted maybe there were others, but they didn't actually say there were others. Okay, you're right about that. And they I was had, also a little confused. They had literally all of the guards and like half of the people of Carthia at the palace and somehow he got out and managed to find the king of Avenia. I don't think so. No, right. Because also Connor was the one feeding the king all this information, but it's like he was trapped in a cell. Were they using fucking Morse code? Were they pulling right? a mysterious Benedict? Like, how, did, <laughs> how did that work? But Also, I don't know. There, there were a lot of questionable things on that one. And then the fact that he thought that he could become king. I'm, I don't think he would have saved Jaren if it didn't start to look like Jaren was going to win. I would agree with that because his whole thing is that he's like a patriot. And I think that he's a very complex villain because he does think that he's right to the very fucking end. Well, and he toes the, the line of good and evil. So no, for so, sure. Yeah. He's like morally gray, but he's not hot about it. He's like not sexy. Disgusting. Yeah, he's like gross and old. If they're not dark haired and hot, we don't want it. We don't <laughs> want it in this house. But because he was like an asshole and he like, he was the person who wanted Jaren's fucking head, first of all. And second of all, He's the one who killed his family, which I have some things to say about book four. I know you haven't read Captive Kingdom yet, but I have. And I have some things to say about that. We'll go into that later. But he's the one who killed Sage's family. And I feel like Jaren was so quick to kill all these other people who had wronged him. Like the guy that shot Imogen, he was like... In the book, it said, I stabbed him in the exact spot and angle that he had shot Imogen in. And that was how he mm. murdered him. And that was like his poetic justice. And I was like, where is the poetic justice? Because Jaren is all about the flair for the dramatic. Where is the poetic justice in Connor's death and punishment? Once Jaren figured out how Connor killed his family, Connor should have been dead, period. No, literally. And it I makes no restraint. sense. It makes no sense that he had restraint on that. Well, I mean, I understand his restraint until he got the crown. But yeah. after that, I don't, they're like, he's like, arrest him for killing Latimer, who was a boy that they used to make an example for Tobias Roden and Sage. Arrest him for killing Latimer and also my parents. And it's like, you got more upset about An Latimer attempt- than your parents, I feel like. Yeah, and the attempt to kill me. Well, he also saw Latimer murdered. He didn't see his parents murdered. That's true. But so there's again, a different reaction to it. I feel like it must be 
I don't know because I reread this book knowing what the twist was at the beginning and so like I was very careful to see every time he mentioned his family and like how he reacted to that and when Connor told him that the royal family was like entirely dead he was just like numb with shock I don't know I just like to imagine his motivations going through his mind at that point where it's like oh fuck I have to go back home. It is time to fulfill my duty and I don't want to because I'm not ready and I will never be ready to be the king like my brother was. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think Jaren and Connor being at odds with each other specifically is a very interesting thing because Connor has this sense of duty that he doesn't have the blood to fulfill and Jaren has the blood to fulfill the duty that he doesn't really feel like he can fulfill. He absolutely has imposter syndrome. Well, I think it's the same thing that he told Rodin. He realized that until he decided that he was good enough, no one else was going to believe it. He wasn't going to be a good ruler until he told himself that he was a good ruler, until he let himself believe that truth. Exactly. And then like at the end of book two, when he comes home after becoming the pirate king, he like steps out of the carriage thinking he's going to be alone in the courtyard, but it's filled with his subjects and they're all like cheering for him. And he's like, why? And he doesn't understand because he's like, oh, this is just the natural thing to do. And he doesn't understand that the lengths that he's willing to go to for his kingdom are really extraordinary. But it's because at every turn throughout when he was a child, because he was so unruly, they were always talking bad things about him. And then when he supposedly passed everyone was like oh well now we're not going to hear all these funny stories about the antics he got up to and not that they were mourning him so that's what he heard the whole time he never realized that people could view him another way because that's all he heard of the way they viewed him Mm -hmm. and he kind of internalized that you know and I feel like that really came out in his persona as sage because he's like yeah if people want me in a silly goofy mood I'm gonna be in a silly fucking goofy mood because that's the only way that people view me having any value because it was always going to be Darius who took the throne and then when Darius was gone he was like oh shit (laughs) I guess I'll take my silly goofy moods to the battlefield (laughs) (laughs) and he did good for him (laughs) I tell you what the third book was definitely the best with all of that because I think he just his character just really shined through all of that Mm -hmm. And so you saw all the growth that he had had, but you also saw how he was taking who he was and kind of reinventing it into a usefulness in his new role. Absolutely. He had like the conjecture of both Sage and Jaren. And I think that behooved him on the battlefield, especially because people didn't fucking expect it. They like were marching with drums and shit. And he's like, set the river on fire. Do it. (laughs) He's like, oh, they're going to try and bring a cannon to blow up my castle. Let me blow up the cannon. Actually, he's no. Like, How am he I going to get rid of this? <laughs> he said, let them blow up their cannon. <laughs> Literally. No, he's a clever little boy. What can I say? He's so incredibly smart. What did you think about the Imogen fake out death? I didn't believe it because of a couple reasons okay first of all i thought it was weird that he didn't go at least to her when she died he literally just saw her fall down with an arrow in her chest and said oh i'm giving up like he didn't go see is did she make it through the arrow like nothing fell to his knees yeah he gave up anyway so first of all i thought that was not the right reaction for him (laughs) (laughs) but he didn't get to see her be actually dead And then they were all telling him that she was dead, which he believed, 
which confused me because he literally knew that they were telling all of his subjects that he was dead. And if they were willing to lie about him to his subjects, why wouldn't they lie to him about her? No, right. And like, I thought the same thing because first of all, when I read these books back in the seventh grade, the third one was not out yet. The third one didn't come out until 2014. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have a chance to read it before I like entered high school. So I just like abandoned it because I was tired of waiting for it to come out. But so this was my second time reading False Prince and Runaway King, but my first time reading The Shadow Throne. And I thought the same thing you did where I was like, oh, they're just joshing him about it. She's not really dead. But then Mott came and he was like, Jaren, I saw her fall and they loaded her up on a cart for the dead. And that when I, was when I was like, oh, well, Mott wouldn't lie to him. I mean, I believed that they put her in the wagon, but I still didn't believe then that she was dead because this book gives me like Disney vibes in the nicest way like because it's a children's book it's like the main characters aren't going to die which none of them did so I was like I don't believe that she's gonna be dead because a I didn't feel like he properly mourned her and then b there's too many ways that she could still be alive no literally so like when she showed up in the dungeon I was like not surprised I kind of wished I almost wish that they kept her dead I wish they had had a bigger impact in his mourning of her and made him like truly like see the body and truly think she was dead before they like hauled him away from her kicking and screaming because that would have just been so impactful Mm -hmm. and then brought her back later when he truly had been like I've lost her it's gone but it didn't feel like he ever got to that point where he was like she's gone I know he believed it but the way they wrote it it didn't feel like it for sure yeah like I think they didn't really go over the grief of the mourning process they kind of just went straight to acceptance because there's like this mm-hmm. moment on the battlefield where he's like I can't give up now because Imogen would want me to live and I need to live my life in a way that honors her and it's like going back to that idea that Divergent illustrated beautifully one of the few things that it illustrated beautifully um, <laughs> where it was like live your life in a way that honors those that you love that you've lost and Jaren arrives to that conclusion without any of like the sad parts in between. He like is depressed. And then like, finally he's like, okay, I got to get up and save my kingdom or whatever. But mm-hmm. I agree. I definitely wish I could have seen him grieving more because, but then again, it might be within his character because he never really truly mourned his family either. He skipped their funeral. Well, I, the reason he skipped his funeral is because it didn't feel like a private event to him. It didn't, mm-hmm. and they weren't truly honoring who they were. They were honoring who what their positions were and their political ideals yes exactly that's why I didn't do the funeral mm-hmm. I did think he mourned them in his own way however I think the biggest thing was because these are written as children's books they don't really go through the depths of the emotions for anything that happens in these books and I think that's another reason why the young adult version of this would be so much better because they could have gone into all those feelings mm-hmm. no I absolutely agree because like even on in respect to that, I feel like they could get into why Jaren shoves all of his emotions down, where he's like, I'll deal with it later, I'll deal with it later. Because of course, when he first learned his family was dead, he couldn't deal with it right away because they didn't know that he was Jaren. And then mm-hmm. like, at his funeral, he had just gotten an assassination attempt, war was impending, he's like, I'll mourn later. And then he has to send Imogen away, and then he sees her die, quote unquote. And he's like, I'll deal with it later because right now I'm in the middle of a war. He said goal oriented. <laughs> he, <laughs> he said, said mind. He said, he said, push away the trauma. If I don't think about it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> no, literally. And he masked his fucking trauma and discomfort with humor. 
and how fucking sad he is not to mention his incredibly okay, but that's complex relatable. relationship with his family <laughs> he has an incredibly complex relationship with his father especially because to get into it a little bit king Eckbert like visited him in the church and he was like i bet you want to come home don't you and jaren was like yeah jaren was like 11 he was like yeah i do want to come home and he was like well you can't <laughs> you know <laughs> and he's like and jaren was like what the hell yeah and basically he was just like it must have hurt so bad to hear that you can't come home at the age of 11 and trying to process those feelings and thinking that it's because you are the family disgrace. I just right, feel like- he didn't, he didn't truly understand at that point the reasons why his father was doing it. And I don't think even to the end of the books that he ever truly understood why his father did things, but he started to sort of understand that it was for protection. It was the way that his father saw was the best way for everybody to be safe or get out of it and protect Carthia, even though it wasn't maybe the smartest way for it to work. I still think his dad was wrong for that. I think it's oh, fucked yeah. up. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I wish that- Sending Jaren... your kid away at the age of 11 is never not going to be fucked up, but- Right. No, because Jaren, of course, was like on the pirate ship in the first place to be sent to get an education for etiquette in a foreign country because he was such a fucking disgrace. But then again, it's going back to that thing where I don't think that they discuss the depth of the emotions adequately in terms of Jaren not really acknowledging that what his father did could be construed as wrong. He just kind of jumps to the acceptance of like, I see why he did that. I get that maybe he was mourning that decision the four years that he was away from the castle, but I wish we could have seen more of that anger, I guess. Mm -hmm. I agree. So what was your favorite scene in this book series and why? Okay. I think that my favorite scene was in the third book when Mm -hmm. Jaren, Rodan, and Tobias are all captured and they're like on their knees in like Connor's office and the Avenian King Vargan gives them, he's like, there are two nooses out there and Jaren, I'm going to let you pick who goes to the gallows. You can spare yourself and send your friends or you can pick one of your friends to spare and kill yourself. And I was like, fuck, that's so good because it's like the same situation that they were in. Two of them were going to die and one of them was going to live. And this time the decision was up to Jaren. And the decision was always up to Jaren, of course, in the first book. But I just really loved the way that it paralleled that. And Tobias and Roden were like both bargaining with him because before in the first book, it was like, oh no, like I, I'm going to be the prince for sure. But now they're like, Jaren, send me to the gallows, please. They're like literally begging him to kill them. And Jaren's like, no. And then they're like, if you don't choose, we're just going to build a third one. And he was like, okay, fine, me and Roden. Because I feel like he chose Rodin because he knew that Rodin could kind of handle it. But Tobias is a little frail boy. I don't think he might have been able yes. to handle. I I did love that Rodin like jowed back at him was like, damn, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you just shot his name out there. <laughs> Didn't even think about me. Literally. That and when Jaren was like, mm, I think I could pick you and the commander and that'd be good. And the king was like, no, try again. He said, wrong answer. (laughs) I also agree that the third book would probably hold my favorite scene, but there's so many good ones in that one. I'm not sure which one to pick. I want to say probably the cannonball because that was just really funny. He was like, oh, I remember these like few little bits and pieces of information that Tobias gave me. And because of that, I'm going to set this whole cannon on fire, but I'm going to let them 
light the fuse. No, I do like to call book three, uh, Jaren gets a gun because he essentially has a fucking gun. <laughs> yeah. No, but I like book three too because it, it has this great pattern of like victories and failures because it's like, yes, he gets the cannon, he destroys the base and then Imogen dies and it's all downhill for a little bit and then he returns <laughs> home and then... Uh, the scene where like the river's burning and he's like singing a battle song with his people i'm like that was so good that that shit was fucking cinematic in my mind was i literally had like a little melody going through my head as he was doing it and i was like ah so So good good. and then like he blows up the dam and everything's going right and like he just wipes out like half of the fucking numbers and he's like okay you guys instead of 10 to 1 it's 2 to 1 now go on and fight and he's like go get him champ and that scene was so good too again another instance of his fucking formidable power with gunpowder i feel like jaren's solution to most things is just to set it on fire (laughs) pretty much my favorite thing that that he does my favorite thing he does though is every time he like talks to people they're like you're such a liar about things and he's like i'm literally telling the truth and no one believes me they just choose to think I'm lying. And it cracks me up every time because it's literally what he does. I and they're always like, like, that's not true. And he's like, I, well, I told you the truth, so. Mm-hmm. I feel like he kind of relies on that for his strategy, though, because he's like, I'm going to tell them the truth and they're going to think that I'm lying. He totally does. Because mm-hmm. he did that with everyone, every instance, even to the very last second mm-hmm. of the book. They were like, you're when... going to sign this treaty. And he was like, you're not going to make it out alive so literally and then they like <laughs> signed the treaty with like a funny insult or whatever because the king wasn't wearing his up. glasses but then like he and Roden were like getting led to the gallows and Roden was like this is our last morning and you're seriously spending it like this and uh Jaren was like just think about what you're gonna do this evening instead <laughs> Jaren was like are you kidding dude like this is a great time and Roden's like I don't agree he always, the same- always has a plan my second favorite, I think, is them leaving the dungeon because they decided they were going to start like, a whole distraction thing so that Imogen could get out of the dungeon and hide in the walls of Farthenwood. So they get out there and Sage is like, this is going to be so much fun. And Rodan's like, I really don't think that I agree with you on that one. <laughs> and Sage starts throwing this like tantrum and he's like grabbing onto bars and having people have to yank him out the freaking door and like throwing a whole fight and <laughs> having people thrown under the bus for like things they didn't do and he's just like suckers and Rodan's like actually it's fun watching you I'll try and then Rodan's like I was not fun but a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Sage is a little shit stirrer I love him he really is best character of the series honestly. oh for sure he's a wonderful main character because before we read this I was like oh yeah you're gonna love Sage and you were like oh the main character is a guy and I was like yeah and you were like it's been a minute since I've read a book with a guy as the main character I'll try not and be biased what literally, did you think about I... reading a book with a guy as the main character for the first time in a while okay first of all I literally cannot remember the last time maybe Harry Potter that I read a guy character Percy Jackson I haven't read that you've never read Percy Jackson you know that (laughs) okay so that's on our list anyway (laughs) so it took me a while to get into his character and I think it's because there was so much in the first book that he was doing and not telling in the story Mm -hmm. there's so many actions that he had that you didn't find out until later 
But I don't think it was until about maybe halfway through the second book or like two thirds through the second book before I really decided, okay, I kind of like him. And it really was just his like quirky attitude and the fact that he didn't let anyone get to him. And he was always so snarky about everything. And he was like, yeah, this is impossible, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that just, it won me over. He got me. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Cause I was like reading the first page of this book and it was like, he's stealing the roast and he's like, next time I steal one, I'm going to have them wrap it first. And I was like, yes. And instantly he like won <laughs> me back over. I was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. But yeah. It took me a long time to get into the book itself. So I think that's why he didn't win me over as quickly, but he definitely was the most entertaining part that kept me going do you think he's a fire sign like zodiac wise oh he totally is what are we talking about like as, as a leo do you think he's a leo do you, or do you think he's like an aries or oh he's an aries i take it back he's an yeah aries. i was gonna say he's not a leo because he's definitely not is egotistical well he's kind of egotistical but he's not like attention seeking for sure i think he's definitely I think he's, an aries i agree with that from the other characters what do you think their zodiac signs are Imogen's an earth sign. I'm calling her a Capricorn. Amarinda is a Virgo for sure. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay, so what, what do you think Rodin's sign is? Rodin, I feel like he's an earth sign, really? but I don't know which one. Because I feel like he's kind of grounded out of, but he also has these moments where he's like, mm, I'm going to throw a fight right now. I'm going to call but him- But I don't think he's feisty enough for a fire sign. I think Rodin's a Sagittarius. I would beg to differ. What? I'm going to call him a Sagittarius why i don't know i feel like the sagittarius's have that like fire of the fire signs but they also mm-hmm. are a little bit more grounded i feel like in terms of grounded fire signs it would be sagittarius aries to leo being not grounded at all sorry bestie uh, i know it i admit full well you know it you know it but i just i just feel like he's a fire sign and he's a Sagittarius specifically because of the way that he treated Jaren after Jaren kind of like, he thought Jaren took the throne from him because he didn't realize for a very long time that he was like actually the prince because he was, he disappeared and then went out to sea for months and then tried to kill Jaren and then went out to sea again. Jaren, so he didn't- Jaren was, Jaren was like, no, dude, like this has literally been my birthright. And Rodin was like, yeah, right. You just took it from me. <laughs> Rodin's like, yeah, like, like no. two weeks ago, maybe. <laughs> I was born into it. Then Rodin was like, okay, just because Tarner told you to doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> what do you and think? then he was like, oh, wait. I feel like Tobias is a water sign, and I will stand by that one. Which one? I don't know. I don't know if he's quite a Cancer, but I'm kind of leaning towards Cancer. Not Pisces. Not Pisces. Tobias not Pisces. Is not a Pisces. <laughs> I'd lean towards Cancer. I'd call him a Cancer. He's not a Scorpio. Yeah. Connor's for sure a Gemini. Oh, yeah. Yep, he's yep. very double, double-minded. Prinsterius is a Taurus, and I'm calling it right now. Okay, we literally don't even know that much about Prinsterius. <laughs> or do we? This is my introduction to the fourth book. Oh, oh we learn more? Tell, yes. tell, tell. Okay, I'm just going to give a brief summary of the fourth book. Basically, Jaren's like bored out of his fucking mind after the war ends and it's been like three months and Imogen is like noticing he's getting kind of stirred crazy so she's like do you want to go on a trade mission with me to Bymar and he's like yes (laughs) he like literally screams and does a flip over the table like he's so excited to get out of the castle and he like sounds about right he goes on like a pirate ship with Bink and Amarinda Tobias and Rodin and Rodin like doesn't want to be captain of the guard anymore because Jaren's not letting him do his job the way that he wants to and Jaren doesn't understand that yet they're like butting heads per usual Oh, by the way, I should explain. So there's the original trilogy, which came out 
the last book came out in 2014 and then in the original trilogy there's a year between the end of the war and the epilogue jennifer nielsen is coming out with more books right now uh there's another one coming out Mm -hmm. in october i believe what it's another trilogy yes it's another trilogy yeah so there's another one coming out in october i believe captive kingdom came out in 2020 and basically it is the story of what took place during that year that's where we're at anyway they're like traveling on a pirate ship to Weimar. They get intercepted by another ship. And the crew are a people known as the Prozarians. And there were this crazy ancient race of warriors. And Jaren was like, I thought they were wiped out by the plague, but they weren't. And he's also like reading Connor's journal, like trying to understand him. And Connor was like, give all my assets to my heir. And Jaren was like, well, he never got an heir because he was a gross old man who didn't respect women. Jaren gets like kidnapped and like everything goes wrong. And he gets kidnapped to this other <laughs> continent literally. Darren literally gets kidnapped every book. Literally. Oh my God. It's so funny. But Darren gets kidnapped across the sea and he gets there and the pirate lady who kidnaps him, who is very cool, by the way, her name is Jane Strick, Captain Jane Strick. Well, she has like this chest on board and they like look in the chest and it's Darius's crown and sword. And Darren's like, what the fuck? Why do you have this? He like runs out, like waving the sword and shit. And then she's like, we're taking you to him. And he's like, he is dead he is dead how fucking dare you and then she's like no he's not so he like goes and he meets Darius and it turns out that he is alive and Connor sent him away so no like literally I was like how many times can you use the fake out death trope before it gets old because you used it with Jaren you used it with Imogen and now you're using it with Darius too but it gets better Darius of course is like shaken because he like is expected to still be betrothed to Amarinda, but she's like betrothed to Tobias at this point. And he's like, what the fuck? And so he's like ready to slit Tobias's throat. Like he is ready. He's like, he's like, Amarinda's here. And Jaren's like, yes, but. <laughs> and Darius is like, Jaren, you didn't. Cause he thinks that Jaren married her, which was kind of juicy. I laughed at that. Maybe one. somebody shouldn't have stayed fake dead and should have come taken the throne like he was supposed to do in the first place. Because Connor sent Darius there and he was like do not come back until I say it's safe because he was planning to institute one of his boys as the puppet king and then bring back Darius but then it gets juicier because Darius's nurse that's like accompanying him is like I've been there since your birth and like it turns out that she's also Mott's old flame so he gets it on a little bit and Mott was like oh she was she worked at Farthenwood and Jaren was like wait if she was at Farthenwood, then how was she there during Darius's birth? And it turns out Darius was born at Farthenwood and he is the adopted child of King Eckford and Queen Erin. And Connor is his dad. Bullshit. I cannot lie. Um, I'm but- sorry. You. She literally just took all of the story of the first three books and just threw it out the window and said, fuck it. No, literally, it was so funny because I was reading it and like every single twist that happened I was like this reads like a fucking soap opera and you know what I loved it it was just entertaining was it like flawlessly executed no it wasn't flawlessly executed but it sure was fucking entertaining you should read the captive kingdom you really should (laughs) and then and then the villain is like this pretty redhead girl that like you don't know she's the villain at first and Rodin's kind of like flirting with her Way to spoil it. You should read it, but I'm gonna tell you the whole twist. No, because it's funny. 
you'd see it coming you have trust issues you'd know but like you're not supposed to know she's the villain and she's like this pretty redheaded girl and Rodan and her are like flirting and then they find out that she's the villain and they're like on their way home and Rodan's like damn that sucks about Wilta and Jaren's like yeah that sucks Rodan's like maybe someday though and Jaren was like no and Rodan was like maybe someday <laughs> and Jaren was the like the one time Jaren no. has sense <laughs> <laughs> that's funny I just know that Rodan's gonna get a girl in this trilogy though whatever whatever happens which is very mm-hmm. exciting no because then like first of all I feel like because there's a brief epilogue that takes place after the year is over and I swear to god they said Eric is alive in that one they kill off Eric in like the first 20 pages of Captain Kingdom so and he does not come back I was like no but he said that in the epilogue that Eric was still the pirate king he'd given Eric the pirate king position and Eric was still doing that no, so how can Eric be dead? Unless they're going to bring him back in like a book or two. I don't like where she's taking these stories. <laughs> no, I did not like how she had to kind of retcon some shit to make it fit in with the epilogue. And it's like, in the epilogue, don't you think that you'd mention that fucking Darius is alive? Right? No, but then it turns out because he's like the illegitimate child, he's the adopted child. He's not the true child of the king and queen. He, he stays in the land across the sea to be their king instead. And I'm like, okay, colonizer. Uh, Damn. <laughs> Yeah, that's just my two cents on the fourth book. It's just like, I'm glad to ex- be back with the characters, but oh my God, is everything that's happening batshit right now. It explained why uh, the mom liked Jaren more though. Yeah, but it like it also like gets into the fact where it's like, oh, that's why my father was like so adamant on me, like learning princely and kingly behaviors because maybe Darius wasn't ever even going to be the king kind of thing. I don't right, know. Uh, but okay, if Connor was the actual father, why didn't he keep the child? Why did the king and the queen adopt the child? Because it was all part of his master plan. He was going to kill them off, let Darius take the throne after he called him back. And then they like briefly mentioned it. It was like kings and queens of Carthia have adopted children in the past, but never as a firstborn, because then if something happens to the actual king and queen, then the birth parents of the oldest adopted child would lay claim to the throne. So then why did Connor need to get a prince, a fake prince, if he was the father of the adopted firstborn, meaning that he was the new legal heir to the throne? Bestie, I wish I could tell you. I feel like there's a lot of retconning going on, but I'm entertained. She basically said, here's all my world building. Let me wipe it out and restart for you. I don't it's know. It's probably entertaining. I will give it that. She writes entertaining books, but that bugs me a little. I want to read her other shit too, not gonna lie. There's a bunch of the audiobooks on Spotify. I am thinking about doing her Mark of the Thief series next because it just, it looks good. Mm-hmm. So I just opened the back and it says, should appeal to fans of Suzanne Collins. So if you like the Hunger Games, you heard it here first, folks. Read The False Prince. I would not agree with that statement. Don't know if I'd agree. They're both very good books. I just don't know. They if are, I'd but agree. they're very different. Very, very different. Yeah. So y'all can listen to this on Spotify. Yep. And they have the first three of the Ascendance trilogy books on Spotify as well to listen to. Oh, hell yeah. How did your opinion of the book change as you read it and hold up to the original read through? So, my original read through, I feel like. I didn't retain a whole lot of information. I just remembered the twist and fucking loving it. And I was like, fuck yeah. And I remembered the thing about like rolling the coin across the knuckles. And that was the thing that differentiated him. I remembered Imogen too. And then in the second book, did not remember him becoming the pirate king. I'm not going to lie. I was like, (laughs) 
No, because I feel like I told you, I was like, oh yeah, from what I remember, the second book like drags a little bit because of the heavy focus on the love triangle. I'm like rereading it. I was like, what the fuck was I talking about? Amarinda and Imogen like aren't even in this book. Nope. There was <laughs> like, like in and no at the beginning triangle. and they're in and at the end. The most there was was the one servant girl that gave him soup and Imogen glared at her. <laughs> Ser- Serena, that bitch. Serena. Imogen was like, Serena, soup. how dare you? And then Serena was like, She's I like, wouldn't mind if you tried something with me. And I was like, oh my God. That one saying was so not kid appropriate. No, literally. Because Imogen was like trying to ward off the other servant girls from Jaren. Clearly she like said that he tried to like sexually assault her or something. And Serena was like, I That's what mind. the hint at was. Yep. It's like, oh my God. Anyway, I did not remember most of book two. I'm not going to lie. I re- but I did remember the end where it was like, Avini is here and they took Imogen. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then the third book wasn't out yet and I never read it. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I have to say. I thoroughly fucking enjoyed it. Even as an adult, I thought the prose was entertaining, light, Jaren, very entertaining character as we've been over. Wasn't super bored. Yeah, I was like, iffy on that there were like moments where I was like this was super entertaining I like this book series and then there were moments where I was like I literally don't want to finish this fair enough (laughs) no there were definitely some parts where it dragged yeah it got so much better after the like second third of the second book hit like Mm -hmm. from that point on I was I was like this is good I like this I will say I feel like maybe my first read through was kind of fueled by the knowledge of the twist and me being like oh I'm gonna pick out all the clues and see like how he refers to his family and I was like I turned it into like a little treasure hunt for myself where I was like okay let's look at the foreshadowing people and I was (laughs) my favorite entertained my favorite part was you were literally like, oh my God, you! I know you're not at the twist yet because you haven't texted me. And I was like, okay, he's going to be the prince. Like there's no other real twist to come in this book. There's no way. Which like you took the twist, you <laughs> took the fucking wind out of my sails with that one. I was like, damn, you didn't like it. I literally went and was like talking to my mom about the book. And I was like, look, here's like the details. I told, talked to her for like two minutes. And I was like, my friend says this, this big twist. And I'm pretty sure it's just going to be that he's the prince. And she's like, yeah he's gonna be the prince and I was like yeah then again I don't know how it's pretty obvious (laughs) okay but then again I read it when I was 12 and when I was 12 it blew my fucking mind that's nine years ago I read it nine. I do feel like yeah I do feel like you kind of needed the nostalgia goggles for this because as an adult it's not quite it's like oh my god dramatic Mm -hmm. as a kid I do think it would be dramatic especially if you're not one that like you read for fun but you don't critically analyze the books at all then I think it would be a big thing I think I've just read so many books and like twists and things that I was like yeah this is obvious (laughs) yeah I might have seen it coming if I had read this for the first time as an adult like I can't Mm -hmm. I can't say you know but I think that as a kid especially it was just like wow and it got me so fucking excited I don't know it, it was just my nostalgia goggles held up for sure but I understand how like if you didn't have the nostalgia goggles it might not quite hit the same for you mm-hmm. yeah well because they made it very obvious that like oh he had the same personality as the prince and oh he does some of these same things and he starts all these fights and just some of his actions that he had I was like okay you're, I feel like you're faking this and mm-hmm. he was you can't change personality you literally can't and then they were like, oh, huh, we like slightly dyed his hair and he suddenly looks so much like the prince. And I was like, wow, that's weird. They like cut and dyed his <laughs> hair and he, he got a haircut. When he cuts his hair, 
when he cuts his hair and he suddenly looks like a prince so we're about done that's pretty much it yeah how would you rate this series i think i'd rate it solid four out of five where did it gain and lose points for you gain points because the delightful fucking characters everyone was so entertaining to read about and watch in the little movie in my mind lost points because how many times can you use the fake out death trope till it starts losing its impact the fourth book especially like not to include that in this rating since we didn't really discuss it until like me at the very end there but the fourth book I was just like okay this reads kind of like a soap opera and it just kind of detracted points for like realism I guess for me I don't know that's just me what about you what do you rate it I am going to rate it a 3.5 out of 5 okay it just didn't grip me for a lot of it and then I felt like it didn't give as much as it should have especially through like the emotions and some of the things that they were hiding to create the twist which I think could have impacted better if you included hints of them Mm -hmm. yeah just mainly that it didn't keep my attention while I was reading but it gains points because of a the third book because that read a lot better than the first two and then B, all of his snarky comments because that just gets me right through that was so good I I would agree with that in the end it just didn't gave what needed to be given yeah uh, <laughs> yeah no I agree with you I just wish it was more and I think that mm-hmm. it could have been more by it being in the young adult genre and not the children's genre I middle grade agree. genre you know I fully agree and it's not bad as a children's book mm-hmm. but there's some children's book that you read and you're like oh this is a beautiful children's book this is perfect how it is but this like Percy Jackson did it yeah exactly Mm-hmm, but I love I just excitedly said yeah without I haven't read it but well that's a good it holds up for most there's a reason people. it's people's comfort people series it. for a reason Harry Potter the Harry first Potter. couple books yeah those mm-hmm. hold up and they're designed for children originally so it's like things like that this one just doesn't feel like it fits where it was placed yeah yeah I agree who would you recommend it to I would recommend it to children lovers of medieval or light fiction i think they'd really like it anyone that likes snarky commentary want to enjoy this i'd recommend it. it to little boys who don't really like to read mm-hmm. and the girls who are crushing on them oh that sounds a little close to home bessie yep that was the joke <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we get into the outro get into the outro shall i start sure all right if you enjoyed this episode we do upload episodes bi-weekly that is twice a month not twice a week if it was twice a week i would die that's too much fucking reading fair very fair if you like our content you can also follow us on our other social media including instagram tiktok and youtube all with the handle at young adult adult reviews give us a follow and a like while you're checking us out we'd really appreciate it we have fun book content of all kinds and if you're interested in giving us suggestions for new books to read let us know in the comments of any of our social media you can't tell us through spotify so that's really on you (laughs) (laughs) comment section on spotify podcast right so let us know on one of our social media comments we might get to it we might not and as always thank you so much for listening and that that is a wrap wow this book sucks oh god it's the library laminate man let's try this one i feel like because the third one's newer it might have a better like better snap shout out to him did it yeah first book sucks for that third book nailed it